we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Good morning, church. It is great to be here with you guys. If you're joining us online, great to be here. Happy Labor Day weekend. Everybody excited about the three-day weekend? (laughs) Of course you are. Why wouldn't you be? Why is that? Why is it? What is it about the three-day weekend that gets you jazzed up? Why why do we get so excited about a three-day weekend? Well, my guess, my guess for some of us, not all of us, but some of us, you just, you, you hate, you hate what it is that you do Monday through Friday. And so, you know, that, 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 that extra day of work or off, off of work, it's like, it's, it's therapeutic, it's glorious, it's like a moment of victory, right? Like, ah, oh, thank God. Now, some of you, maybe it's not that severe, maybe it's not that you, you hate what you do, but it, sometimes it, it can get monotonous, just kind of the daily, weekly grind of just going at it again and again and again, and that three-day weekend, it's like just... Just a brief little break from that endless cycle, right? Tell me, are any of you familiar with the Greek myth of Sisyphus? Anybody heard of that? You probably have, even if you don't know it by name. That's why I've got this little tablet here. I'm going to, here's the short version, okay? So here's Sisyphus. And I want you to pay close attention to the eyebrows. They're devious, aren't they? So you know he's a bad guy. If only this was real life, if people that were bad had the devious eyebrows, it, life would be so much simpler. It doesn't work out that way. He's a bad guy, and he cheats death. And so his punishment, he's not sentenced to death. Actually, on the contrary, he's sentenced to a life of pointless, meaningless work. This is what he has to do. Every day, he comes up to a hill. And at the foot of the hill is this boulder. And all day long, he's got to be about the business of getting that boulder up to the top. But what happens at the end of the day? That boulder, right back down to the bottom. So the next day, he comes back to the hill. What does he have to do? Right back up the hill. What happens at the end of the day? Right back down the hill. Every day, same rock, same hill, same job on into eternity. Does any of this sound familiar? Can anybody connect with that? We, we actually find, we find a version of that in, in uh, the Bible. Jesus tells this story. This is in Luke 15. And I'll say this just so, I'll say, every time I talk about this passage, I'll remind you, we call it the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. But I think it's fair to point out, Jesus never calls him that. Jesus never calls him prodigal. That's, that's on us. But it's a story of a man and two sons. And so the, the, the younger son, he gets a case of the wanderlust. He's got to hit the road. He says, Dad, I want my money. I want to go. And so he goes. And he squanders his wealth. And then he has to make the walk of shame back home to try to get in good graces with his, with his dad. But what about the older brother? He stays. You see, he's the responsible one. He stays. He works the farm. But does he like his job? No. 
He hates his job. He resents it. This is how he talks about his job. Luke 15, verse 29, he's talking to his dad. He says, Dad, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Like, he's good at what he does, and he's responsible, but he hates it. He resents it. He sees his life as just an endless cycle of monotony. How many of you can connect with this brother? You see your life. It's just pointless work rolling the rock up the hill only to have it roll right down to the bottom every day after day after day. Or maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that you're stuck in a rut. Like you're, you, you figured out a way of getting things done at work that it, it's, it's, it was efficient. It was comfortable. But it's gone on for so long that it, it's become mundane and rote and just insanely boring. Or maybe, maybe what you did was you, you spent a lot of years in your professional life to get to this place in your professional career. You finally got the bowler up to the top of the hill only to look around and think, man, I thought the view was going to be a little better than this. I thought life was going to be better. Can any of you relate to any of this? If so, I, wanna, I want you to know your work life it doesn't have to be this way. There's a better way. We're wrapping up this series today on the perfect fit. And what have we been doing the last few weeks? Just going through the different areas of our lives, spiritual, financial, relational. Today, what I want us to do, we're going to take a look at our professional lives, our work lives, see how we can become more fit. Because, you see, I think too often we, we think about our, we have our spiritual lives over here, and then our work lives that are over here, and there are two different kinds of things. But that's just not the case. That's not true. You see, if you're, if you're doing this thing right, if you're doing the spiritual thing right, it's going to pervade every part of your world, including your work life. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You see, Paul is telling us that, that our professional lives, our work lives, they are just as much a part of our spiritual journey as is things like church attendance, tithing, time in the Word. Because you see, your, your work life, your professional life, it's the most public, most visible part of your faith. So consider this. Somebody that you work with, if, if they were to make a, a judgment about the character of Jesus, make a decision about whether or not to follow Jesus, and the only thing they got to go on is your work ethic, what would they say? Does your, does your work ethic, does it point people to Christ, or does it turn them away? You see, Paul says, in everything we do, work at it as though you're working for the Lord, not for man. And he has this prayer <clears throat> for the Colossian people, and it applies to us as well. He says, in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 10, and we pray this in order that <clears throat> you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing, uh, bearing good fruit, growing in the knowledge of God. How do we do this? How do we bear good fruit in our work lives? How do we allow our work ethic, the way that we go about our Monday through Friday business, how do we make that a part of our witness? St. Francis puts it this way, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. 
I think it's outstanding. When necessary, use words. He's saying, look, some of the best ministry work you can do, some of the best ways you can point people to the gospel doesn't involve this. It involves this, how you go about your business. How do you handle your work life in such a way that it points people to the work ethic, to the character of Jesus? How do you do that? That's what we're going to talk about today. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of, of work, the, the opportunity to, to, to wake up and to be able to go out and do things, to make a change, to create, to arrange, to fix, to repair all of the things that you ask us to do. For all of this, Father, we say thank you. Even for the things that we don't want to do, we still say thank you for the opportunity to work, to have meaning, to have purpose. So, Father, this morning, remind us, show us what your work ethic is like. Help us to grow stronger in our work lives to point people to your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do today, in, in honor of Labor Day, we're going to use that word labor as an acronym in your notes. And I was, I was just told, if you've got those little cards, they, they handed out a couple from last week. So make sure yours has the date, September 4th. And fifth, if it doesn't, if you got the wrong one, raise your hand and they'll bring it to you. We're going to use that word labor as an acronym to figure out how do we become more professionally fit? How do we do it? So that first letter in your notes, number one, L, loyalty. How loyal are you to the company? Another way of thinking about it might be honesty. How honest are you in your work lives? Do the hours you get paid to work, do they honestly reflect the amount of work you actually do? Or do you come in just, just a little bit late and you leave just, just a little bit early? Put it another way. How faithful are you in your professional life? There's a Greek word, that, uh, sorry, Hebrew word that cuts across all of these lines. It's called hesed. It means steadfast love. And it pops up in a number of places, but especially in the book of Hosea. If you're not familiar, <laughs> Hosea is one of the more interesting books of the Bible. This, this is how Hosea begins. Verse 2. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take to yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. Everybody catch that? Everybody see what his, what his calling is? Can you, can you imagine being Hosea at this point? God, God, God calls Hosea. He says, God, Hosea, I'm calling you out. Hosea's like, all right, great. Let's go, Lord. Hosea, you are going to be my witness. You're going to be my prophet to the people. Let's go. You're going to speak the word to the Israelites. Okay, God, whatever you need, send me. I'm your guy. Hosea, marry a cheating wife. What? <laughs> don't, don't, God, don't you have like a, a lion's den? You need somebody to jump in or a giant to slay? I, I can do all of those things. A cheating wife? Why? God says, because I want to use the marriage metaphor so that the people of Israel will understand how unfaithful they are to me. Yet despite their unfaithfulness, I continue to be faithful to them. So what about you? If your work life, if your professional life was a marriage, 
what kind of marriage is it? Is it an honest marriage? Is it fair? Is it equitable? Or are there secrets? Things we don't talk about, things we, 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 we hide. What I, what I want you to know, and all of the things that we talk about, if this is an area of struggle for you, please, please, please don't wait another minute. Start working on this, because this ends badly all the time. Here's, here's how this story ends. I'm going to, to protect his identity, I'm going to call him Jim, my friend Jim. He's got a job, and he's, he's good at it. He works at it for a while. But at one point, he, he starts to make excuses in his mind of why it was okay for him to start taking just, just a little off the profit and keeping it for himself. Because he deserved to be paid a little more. He needed a raise, and if they weren't going to give it to him, you know, he, and it wasn't that much, guys. I mean, we're talking just, just, just a little bit. But you see, the mind is a funny thing. The mind can legitimize some pretty crazy things if you train it to, just like muscle memory. And so after he does it the first time, what happens? He does it again and again and again. And each time, it gets a little bit easier. Each time, the, the amount that he's pocketing, it's, it, it, it starts to grow. And very quickly, his unfaithfulness, it actually turns into resentment. Because, you see, he can't deal with the shame of what he's doing. He's got to come up with the story why it's okay. And so the story that he's telling himself is, it's not right that they don't pay me what I deserve. It's not right that they ask me to do this and they don't pay me this. What I'm doing, it's not wrong. I'm making things right. That's what I'm doing. And shortly after, Jim was bitter, resentful, dishonest, and most importantly, unemployed. What about you? How are you in this? So here's the question I want you to wrestle with. How loyal am I to my employer or to my employees or to the company? However you want to think about it. Are you, are you dabbling or are you devoted? Where, where are you on the fitness scale there? And if you're a little more to, to the dabble side, if this is an area of growth for you, this is what I want you to do. I want to give you a proverb that's going to become your prayer, your mantra this week. It's Proverbs 3, verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And every day before you go into work, this becomes your prayer. Every day you say this before you go into work. Anytime you have a question, a decision to make, about loyalty, you remind yourself of this. And at the end of the day, you ask yourself, was I loyal to the company today? If God was my employer, would I be proud of the work that I did today? On to the next letter, letter A, awareness. This is a really tricky one because if you lack awareness by nature of what it means, you're, you're unaware of it. You don't know that you lack awareness. How aware are you of others and, and, and how, how aware are you of yourself? And see, those two things, they go hand in hand. If you lack awareness of others, then you have no idea how you're coming off. You lack self-awareness as well. If you're, if you're somebody that's sitting in, in the chair today and, and you're just dreading 
that the next day you're going back to work, you're not looking forward to it, ask yourself this question, how aware am I of the people that I work with? How aware am I of the people that I spend my work life with? And here's a good way to know. Here's a good test. Think about the five people that you spend the most of your work life with. Out of those five, how many of those five do you know their birthdays by heart without the social media reminder? If, if you know all five, I would say, hey, you're doing a great job. You're pretty aware. But if you don't know any of them, you got some room to grow here. So in, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is approached by his disciples with an interesting question. The disciples come up to Jesus and they ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Anybody in, in, back in school remember the teacher saying, hey, there's no such thing as a stupid question. You remember hearing that? Not true. <laughs> Exhibit A. But Jesus responds, he called the little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like the little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I want to point out, at this point, the, the disciples had spent three years with Jesus. They did virtually everything with him. They walked where he walked. They slept where he slept. They ate when he ate. They, they see firsthand the perfect picture of humility. They see how Jesus goes about his business, who he spends his time with. And after three years of that, they still have the nerve to ask this question about who's going to be the greatest. And I feel like Jesus' response, he's probably annoyed, but he's like, okay, okay, I'll play your game. You want to know who's going to be the greatest? This kid right here, the one that none of you have noticed, the one none of you are paying attention to, the one none of you are aware of, be like him. Do you know why? Because he doesn't give a rip about being the greatest. He doesn't care about your stupid pecking order. He doesn't care about your power rankings. You know what he cares about? People. That's it. He loves. That's it. He sees the people around him. He's aware of the people around him. You want to be the greatest? Be like him. And, and who knows? Who knows why the disciples lacked awareness? Maybe they were starring in their own movie. Maybe they, were, uh, they, 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 they had concerns of their own that was overshadowing the people around them. Maybe it was a lot simpler than that. Maybe they just weren't paying attention. They just weren't listening. What about you? How often do you listen to others when you're at work? How often do you genuinely engage in conversation with the people around you? Do you ever, you ever find yourself at work and that one, that one person that always comes up to you and just doesn't know how to end a conversation and you avoid them, but sometimes you can't, and when they're talking to you, you're smiling and you're nodding, but in your mind, you're like, dear God, would you please shut up? <laughs> I will form tackle you if that's what it takes. Anybody ever do that? No? No, no. Me neither. Good for us. We're all good people. How about these relationships? How about the people that you work with that you stand to gain nothing from? The people you can't benefit from? The people that you can't leverage for your own professional gain? How good are you in those relationships. 
How often do you pay attention to those people? Where are you? Where are you in the fitness scale here of awareness? Are you, the question that I want you to ask, how aware am I of others and myself? Are you dabbling or are you devoted? Where are you? How do you treat the people around you? If this is a struggle, this is, this is your verse this week. This is, this is your mantra. This is from Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 40. He says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And you say this every day as a reminder. Before you go, go into that one conversation that you're not looking forward to, and you're talking to that one person that you'd rather not talk to, before that happens, you say this. And as you're listening to them, you ask yourself, how aware am I of the presence of God in this person in this moment? On to the next letter. Number three, B, better. One of the biggest challenges for people who feel like they're, they're stuck in a rut in their professional life, and it has to do with this. They've, they've plateaued. Either they've reached the pinnacle or how, what they think is the pinnacle of their career, or they cashed in early in their professional 401k and they've stopped developing. They've lost that hunger. If you watch... Enough professional and college sports, you'll see this narrative play out time and time again. But you'll also see the other version of it. Tell me if you're familiar with this guy. Everybody knows him. Even people that don't watch basketball know Kobe Bryant. And he's an interesting guy. He was freakishly talented in high school. So much so that he didn't have to bother with uh, college sports. He goes straight into the NBA. But what was unique about Kobe was his work ethic, his hunger, his desire, his willingness to grind it out, to do the work that nobody else wanted to do. Despite reaching the pinnacle of his career, despite being the most talented player on any court that he set foot on, he never loses that hunger. Jerry West, the guy that drafted him into the Lakers, he said this about Kobe. He said, what's most impressive about Kobe is his desire, his work ethic, his competitive nature. You see, Kobe would get to the gym at 4.30 in the morning, and he would put in a full workout before anybody else showed up. Because his mindset was this. If you and I show up on the same day, and I get two workouts in, and you get one workout in, over the course of a year, I'm going to be one full year ahead of you. In two years, I'm going to be four years ahead of you. As talented as he was, he never lost that hunger. And if you watch enough pro sports, you see a lot of just the opposite. You see, I can mention a number of names and you'd be like, yep, yep, they peaked too early, they stopped, and then they, they promising career and it just tanked. What about you? Where are you in your professional life? What kind of person are you in your work life in this arena? In Second Chronicles, this is uh, King Solomon. Somebody's got the Bible app on and it's reading, isn't it? <laughs> it happens more than you think. Second Chronicles, this is shortly after King Solomon becomes king. He's, he's king of Israel. He, he has reached the pinnacle of his career. There's no way up. The next person in charge is God. And he, he's not making that jump. 
God comes to Solomon and says, you get one wish, whatever you want, it's yours. This is what Solomon says in verse 10. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? I mean, I want you to think about that. Put yourself in Solomon's shoes. God comes up to you and says, you get one wish. No questions asked. One wish, whatever you want, it's yours. What are you asking for? Solomon, at the top of his game, says, give me wisdom and knowledge so that I can get better. How about you? Do you have that picture in your mind of how you can grow in what it is you do? Here's the question. Am I working to get better at what I do? And it doesn't matter what it is. You can point at somebody like Kobe and say, well, yeah, I mean, he's a pro athlete. It's easy to do the work for that. Not true. It's really not true. Anybody that reaches that level of glory, that level of glory has been preceded by years upon years upon years of grinding out the endless work, doing the things that nobody else wants to do. Do you have that desire to get better, to grow? We have a question that we ask ourselves every week on staff here, and the big question we ask is, did we get better this week? And how are we going to get better next week? I've got a question written down that Rick told me to ask every day. How do I make this place better? What do I need to do today to make this place better so that whenever I leave today, I did something that mattered that helped this place grow? Do do you have that kind of a mindset? Do you have that growth mindset to get to work and do something to get better day after day? Are you dabbling or are you devoted? And if you're dabbling, here's, here's your mantra this week. It comes from Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. And every day you go into work, you remind yourself, God, I work for you. Today I commit my work life to you. Show me today, God, where you are taking me, where I can get better. And then you go to work, and you, and, you, and you do it. You be about the business of getting better every day. Number four, letter O, open. This is a pitfall for a lot of people. How open are you to feedback? How open are you to criticism? Do you engage with feedback? Are you teachable? Are you coachable? Or do you, do you ignore the criticism. You block it out under the guise of, you know, I'm just I'm blocking out the haters. That's what I'm doing. I'm just, just blocking out the haters. But instead, you're blocking out the very voice that, help, that can help you grow. I, I, I hope more and more of you are spending time in the Word because there's, there's a lot of interesting stories in here. But one of my favorite stories is in Numbers 22. It's the story of Balaam and his donkey. And I'll sum it up for you. So Balaam, he's this spiritual guy that he's got the ability to bless and curse people. And so the king of Moab reaches out to Balaam and says, Balaam, I need your help. I need you to come here. The Israelites, they're starting to encroach on me. I need you to put a curse on them so I can keep them in check. I don't want to have to mess with them. Now, initially, Balaam is open to the word of God. He's open to the voice of God, and he has nothing to do with this mission. But at one critical point, he closes himself off. He's not open to the direction of God, 
and it puts him on a path that he shouldn't have been on. He gets on a donkey, and he gets on a path headed for Moab. And along the way, an angel of the Lord appears with the sword drawn. Balaam's walking into imminent danger, and he has no clue. But the donkey, the donkey is aware. The donkey is open. So the donkey gets off the path. It goes into a field. But Balaam's unaware of anything that's going on. He just knows his donkey's not going where he tells him to. So he beats the donkey, gets the donkey back on the path, Again, the donkey approaches, sees the angel, gets off the path. Balaam beats the donkey, gets him back on. The song and dance just goes back and forth until eventually God says, I've got to break through to you, Balaam. And so God inhabits the voice of the donkey and starts speaking directly to Balaam. Said, Balaam, open your eyes. Don't you see what's around you? Don't you see the path that you're on? Do you not see the danger right in front of you? And it was at this point when the donkey was speaking to Balaam that he he became aware. What about you? How open are you to the voice of God in your work life, in your professional life? Do you you listen? Or is God's voice going to have to inhabit a donkey before you'll pay attention? This this is tricky. Man, this is tricky. I've seen a lot of careers go through self-sabotage simply because they were not open to the direction of God in their professional life. If this is you, start listening. Some of you, you might be on a a dangerous path and you're not aware of it. And danger is just staring at you right in your face and you don't know it. Maybe some of you are here, you've already been down that path. You've been down that destructive path. You're like, man, if I could do it over again, I would have done this, I would have done this, I would have listened. I would have paid attention. If that's you, either you need to do some backtracking or you need to change your path. you got to figure that out. Hear me loud and clear, though. This is is not what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is you need to go quit your job. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. And if you do that, don't blame me. That's on you. Don't, Don't put that evil on me. But how often do you listen? How often do you listen? The question I want you to wrestle with, how open am I to the voice of God in my workplace. Where are you? Where are you on the fitness scale here? Are you you dabbling or are you devoted? Just so we're clear, napping on the job does not constitute prayer with God. As much as you want it to, it doesn't count. If this is you, if you struggle in this area, here is your, here's your prayer, here's your mantra this this week. It's Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And every day you say this. Every day you remind yourself, listen to the direction of God. Invite God into the conversation in your professional life. Last letter. Number five, letter R, reliable. How reliable are you? Another way of thinking about that is consistency. How consistent are you? The people that that struggle with this, the people that that drop the ball, people that lack follow-through, the common denominator I notice with with a lot of them is this, lack, lack or loss of meaning in their work life. And it turns into cynicism. 
and they view their, li- their work life as just pointless work. And what's the point? I did this one thing today. I'm going to have to do it again tomorrow. It's about as tedious and pointless as making the bed. It's going to get unmade every day. By the way, you should still make your bed if you don't. At this point, it's pointless, but you still do it. Um, the the loss of meaning. Any area that we've talked about this this last month—spiritual, financial, relational, professional—any of them. One of the biggest reasons we experience failure failure in any of those areas is loss of meaning. Now. For, for some of us, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing mission work in a third world country, finding meaning is pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy to do. But if you're like a lot of people and you're not on the front line of seeing life change, sometimes it's easy to, to, to lose meaning, to lose vision and purpose about your, your professional life. One of, the, one of the most consistent, reliable, hardest workers I've ever known is this man. That's my dad. And based on the uh, Magnum P.I. mustache and hair, this is probably 1985. It's a glorious mustache. I never met a man that worked harder than him. He spent his entire professional life in the construction business. He had his own septic installation business. And he worked six, sometimes seven days a week. If the sun was up, he was working. And even after the sunset, he'd still be working. The only time he took days off was when it was to take me and my brothers hunting or fishing or camping. And now, my, my dad's body, it, it, it bears the resemblance, it carries the weight, the scars of somebody that spent their entire life working in the field. But what's interesting about my dad is this. All those years that he did that, I have no memory of him ever complaining about the work. No memory at all. Never getting to a place where he felt like he was trapped in a vicious, endless cycle of monotony, a cycle of rolling the rock up the hill just to have it roll down. You see, my dad, he found meaning in his work. But here's the thing. The meaning wasn't in the actual job itself. This was the meaning my dad found in his work. Me and my brother's. That was his purpose, to provide a better life for us three, to provide a way for us to be together, for us to enjoy the outdoors together, for us to learn how to hunt and fish, do all the things that he loved to do. That was my dad's meaning. You see, my my dad figured something out early on, and it's something that that many people still struggle with. What he figured out was that, that, that myth that we talk about of, of Sisyphus, you remember from the beginning, the myth of uh, rolling the rock up the hill? This is, this is what he learned. He learned that it is just that. It's a myth. It's not true. And here's why. So here's my dad. And notice, he, he doesn't have the devious eyebrows because he's a good guy. <laughs> but every day, he goes up and approaches that rock. And every day, he's got to go about the business of rolling it up the hill. And every day, that rock is rolling down the hill. It is. But this is what my dad learned. It doesn't roll backwards. It rolls forward. And the next day, it's a new rock. 
and a new hill. It looks the same, but it's not. It's not the same because he's moving forward. There is nothing that's repeated. No day happens the same twice. It's a new day every day, and my dad knew it because he had meaning. He had purpose. He had vision in his life. He knew where his life was going. What about you? Do you have meaning in your life? Do you have purpose? Do you have a vision? Do you know where you're going? Do you have that picture in your mind that reminds you of why you got to grind it out, why you got to have that grit day after day after day? Here's the question. How reliable am I to my job? Do you, do you dabble or are you devoted? Where are you? If you're a parent, you have a very clear why. You've got a very clear purpose. If you are a grandparent, you have a clear why, a clear purpose. Like, I'll be honest with you. Most days for me, finding meaning in what I do is easy to do. It's not hard for me to find meaning in what I do. But there are days when I don't want to. There are days when it's a grind. There are days when I just want to go home, turn the TV on, and just take a nap. And be like, you know what? Somebody else is going to take care of it today. And on those days, I have reminders set up for me. So here's a picture of my office, and it's a pretty standard office. But I have it set up specifically for these moments when it becomes a grind. When it becomes a grind, this is what I see. I see my kids. I see my daily reminder of why I can't quit. And the moments when I'm, I'm wore out, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I see my kids, and I'm, I remember that's, that's my why. That's why I do it day after day. That's why I will do the things that nobody will ever see. Nobody will ever say thank you because as soon as I go home, I get a much bigger compliment every time my kids come up to me. My 13-year-old son, he still does this. He'll come up to me. He'll wrap his arms around me and say, I love you, Dad. And my heart just explodes. Do you have a vision? Do you know where you're going? If you do, you can endure anything. Jesus is doing the same thing. He's trying to get up the hill. He's not carrying a, a boulder. He's carrying a cross. But to the world, it looked just as pointless. Why would anybody do that? Why would people die for the sins of others? Who cares? Christ crucified. Paul talked about it as, as being a stumbling block to the Jews and, and foolishness to the Gentiles. What are you doing, Jesus? But he did it anyway because he had a vision. He had something in his mind. He knew he was moving forward, and he kept at it day after day after day. Do you have that picture in your mind? Do you know where you're going? If you do, you can endure whatever. Paul said in Philippians 4.11, I have learned the secret to being content. And it has nothing to do with whether or not I got food or I don't have food. If I got all that I need or I have nothing, I've learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He had a clear vision. He had a clear purpose. Do you have that vision in your mind? Do you know where you're going? God's got one for you. If you don't see it, if you don't know it, I invite you into that conversation with God. Figure out where are we going, God? How are you using me today? That's how we're going to wrap up. Five quick things. Five quick things, and then I'll get you out of here. Five challenges. If you struggle with loyalty, if that's your area of struggle, 
I want to challenge you this week, seven days of 100% honesty and transparency with the company. No fudging anything at all. Letter A, awareness. That person that you, that you uh, work with that kind of annoys you, go up to them this week and ask them a question. You say, hey, tell me something I don't know about you. If there's anybody in here that I work with, if you ask me that question, we're going to have a different kind of conversation. <laughs> Maybe you wait a couple weeks before you ask me that. B, better. If that's your struggle, pick one thing, one thing that, you know, if I do this one thing every day, I'm going to get better, and I'm going to make the company around me better. And you do it. One week, every day, you commit to that. Letter O, open. Very simple. Just set an alarm on your phone, like 1130 or 1230, somewhere around midday. When it goes off, let it be a reminder, okay, I'm going to have a 10-minute prayer with God. And you say a prayer, and you listen, and you're open. The last letter R, reliable. If that's your struggle, your challenge this week, no dropped balls. Follow through. Whatever you say you're going to do on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it is, by the end of the week, you've done it. Can we do that? <laughs> can we do that? Yeah. yeah, of course we can. This is going to be a great week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of community, for the gift of our work lives, our professional lives, for the gift of growth, for the gift that even though things look the same, there's new life, new opportunities every day. So, Father, show us where those opportunities are. Help us grow into the vision that you have for us and help us grow in being ministers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.